welcome to more to come. PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly, Editor of PW Comics World, and Editor of the Fanatic PW's New Comics and Pop Culture um, twice a month newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll say it right eventually. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at at PWComicsWorld. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at PWComicsWorld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on Facebook. We're at Facebook.com slash PWComicsWorld. And also, don't forget, we love to hear that you heard us. So please let us know how you like our podcast. Give us a rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment. Send us a note. You know, tweet at us. Facebook at us. Just let us know. Stay in touch. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Message in a bottle, people. Tell us something, please. All right. This week on More to Come, Amazon Controversy at SBX. And that's a small press expo to those who may not know. ICV2, uh, uh, the newest edition of its Insider Edition coming up. Um, Young Avengers banned in Rio? Question mark. <laughs> uh, Linda Berry returns and Webtoon grows. So, uh, Amazon, SBX. Right. Well, Calvin this and I sounds are, like last year. are setting off. I know. Well, it's just continued. I mean, we talked about this last year. There was a lot of controversy yes. over Comixology sponsorship of uh, Small Press Expo. But, you know, Comixology also sponsors TCAF. It sponsors uh, CXC, which Calvin sure. is going to be at. It sponsors mm-hmm. uh, Thought Bubble. It actually sponsors all of the top uh, indie comic shows in North America and in England, in the English-speaking yeah. world. Uh, not to mention the selling all of their books yes. on, a, on a daily, if not hourly basis. Um, so, you know, yeah. you know, this is the kind of story we... I mean, when we talked about this last time, um, uh, we... You, listen, uh, you know, a, a letter went out from uh, cartoonists against Amazon... Uh, yeah. Many yes. of whom have their books sold on Amazon, so you know we got some. Right, but are there. they selling it themselves, or are their publishers their selling publishers it? Publishers selling it. On so Amazon. I mean, they don't really have much control over that. They could say don't do it, actually. You know, but but I mean, are pub- they going to protest their publishers selling it on? Uh, Is on your publisher Amazon? really going to put up with that? No, no, your publisher's <laughs> not going to put up. Like, no, <laughs> I guarantee you, if you went and you know protested. Uh, being published on Amazon, that your publisher would probably. Not you know, the fact be. of the matter is, Amazon sells the is selling a bigger and bigger chunk of all books that are sold online. Um, it, none of this is to say that there shouldn't be targeted uh, protests about well, Amazon policies that, well, that ab- we absolutely. feel are wrong. Absolutely, and I'm just saying it's like I'm not re- disrespecting anyone who stood up and said that they don't feel that a horrible. A multinational conglomerate such as Amazon that owns everything and, you know, that has for some many of its workers not the best conditions. It's, you know, that's a fact. We know that it's not the best employer. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm just saying I would totally respect everyone who, uh, is concerned about this and that didn't want, you know, their, their precious press expo, you know, to be tainted by comicsology. So. <laughs> And I think we also have to re- remember that uh, through Comixology Originals and through Comixology Submit, I mean, there's an awful lot of cartoonists that depend on whatever revenue that comes through there. Well, you know, the other thing was when um, they announced Comixology Submit a couple years back and there was an outcry. And it was like, how can you work? Amazon is going to kill the small press. Amazon is doing this so that they will destroy the small press. And... You know, like, like, why would they even want to destroy the small press? Why do they care? Well, they're you know, Amazon. They well, have all the money in the they world. They do, but they like taking over businesses. That's fair. That is fair. But yeah. as Calvin and I both know, and other people in the know are aware, really, it's just a project that Chip Mosier, who's comics, mm-hmm. works at Comicsology, is yeah. the editor in chief of. Yeah. It's kind of his little project. Yes, absolutely. I don't think it's any. I don't think I'm revealing any secrets by saying that. No. And it's not like. Jeff Bezos came out and said, you know, we're going to eat the comic industry. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, and I'm, look, you can be suspicious of Chip and, and, and his, his, sure. his, you know, motives and all that. I understand. But, you know, it's also like, 
Like I said this before, I, I keep saying this every time it comes up. It's like there's also this other organization called Festival Workers Association that was objecting to the table prices at small press shows. And they're like, you know, where is the money going and who is paying for it? And I was like, okay. So you don't want to pay for a table and then you don't want corporate sponsors. But are these the same people? Maybe they're not. Uh, They're different people. But I'm just saying some of them are the same. I'm just saying it's like, like, you know, you got to put on a show somehow, people. Nothing is free in this world. And and I just. Why don't you give away your comics for free? I don't want to have to pay for your comics. And part of what we're saying here is that dealing with uh, Amazon as a political entity is a complex uh, uh, effort, is a complex issue, and we need to look at it and, and accept that. Um, you know, most of the independent publishers in this country, include, and in fact, many of the biggest publishers also, Amazon delivers, uh, if, uh, whether we like it or not, the vast majority of their profits, uh, and they do it efficiently with very few returns. And if you don't understand what I mean by returns, <laughs> in the book trade, books are sold on consignment. And if you don't sell them, retailers can. So, uh, Calvin, yeah, absolutely. But I, you know, I, I, and listen, it does sound like we're like evil pragmatist capitalists, which we kind of are. But I, I do, you know, I mean, I understand people don't want to be involved. Uh, you know, I mean, if people want to try to step back from this, this horrible hell world that we live in, uh, then go, you know, go for it. I mean, I think people should point out, um, you know, labor practices that we, we think are awful. We, I think they should protest. I'm just. And we should say Amazon, not Amazon vanish from existence, but Amazon stop doing the thing. Yeah, stop having bad labor practices. I do think it's a problem, uh, to try to expect, uh, independent artists and small presses who are in a precarious state enough to uh, asking them to boycott uh, an entity that may, in fact, be keeping them above water. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it seems that a happy medium was found because this year uh, the sponsor of the Ignatz Awards is Kickstarter. Okay. So then I saw on Twitter a couple people were angry that Kickstarter um, used Amazon to fulfill it. But then they were like, oh, no, I'm wrong. They stopped doing that three years ago. But then just today... Uh, Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, there was a story in Slate about how Kickstarter had fired two employees who were trying to unionize. So Kickstarter sucks too. So you know you're, you're never going to find <laughs> so, a good sponsor. Here you go. You uh, know you just have to pick which you find the the lesser of two or five or twenty five evils. <laughs> yes, you know? I know. And yeah, that should be the yes. title of the movie. In a world evils. full of evil, how yeah. do you find the lesser one? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know? And on Life that note, hard. but let's talk about some other well, things yes, about us. You know, okay. I mean, we will be from, at this weekend. You know, we have to have the, the we have to have the controversy, of course. But you know, the the wonderful thing is that this is the twenty fifth edition of Small Press Expo, which is amazing. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. They are, you know, letting it. I mean, the lineup is insane as usual, as yep. always. You know, the Hernandez brothers will be yep. there. Eleanor yep. Davis will be there with her yep. new baby. She just had oh. a baby days ago, and she's going to be at the con. You know, it's a little newborn, so it's not that's that. All right. But that's, you know, that's, that's brave, brave. Uh, yeah. Her and her uh, uh, husband. Uh, you know, it's uh, pretty brave of them. And Andrew, uh, not Andrew. Pardon me. Anyway. Uh, I can't remember her husband's I'm name. No, Drew. Too. Her head is he's a cartoonist too, his right? His name is Andrew. It's Drew. Drew Wing, yes. Yes, yes. Um, he's a very good cartoonist too. Yes, he's a great cartoonist. This is why I wanted to, you know, <laughs> ruffle through my mental filing cabinet there until I came up with a name. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, the gang is all going to be there. Uh, you know, they actually announced that Kickstarter, uh, I didn't get a chance to write a story about this today, but Kickstarter actually had paid for the table costs of some of the people who are there. Um, including, um, you know, friend of the podcast, Henry Barajas will be there. Oh. Uh, and, um, uh, um, Steens, Christina Steen Stewart has also had her oh, table, great. her table, mm-hmm. um, uh, sponsored by Kickstarter. So, uh, you know, it was a really nice, uh, gesture on their part to, to do this. And, uh, you know, and I, I, you know, at the end of the day, look, Common Salji bought people drinks. Well, we'd like that. But you know what? Sponsoring them to have a table is really more, that's a very strong statement, really, in the spirit of what this is all about. So, uh, yeah. 
Well, um, there's, I mean, obviously there's lots of other stuff too. I mean, there's a bunch of book debuts. Um, you mean Rusty, you know, uh, Chris Ware will be there. Uh, they're deb- debuting Rusty, but I think Chris Ware is going to be there. I know they're going to be deb- debuting the book. Well, he now, did. He did the, 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 um, badges, so. Uh, okay, great. I yes, guess yes. will be there. Um, obviously Eleanor Davis is going to be there with her new, uh, graphic novel, The Heart Tomorrow, which I'm right. really looking oh, forward yeah, to. I haven't too. read it yet, but, uh, Can't it's, wait. it's gotten great reviews. I'm really interested in Ben Passmore's new book, Sports is Hell. Oh, yes, absolutely, yes. That's going to be down there. Uh, Ms. Lasko Grove has finally, they finally published her, the sequel to her first book. This is Henny in the Lowlands, so I'm really mm-hmm. looking to see that. So, um, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, and I and I and I've just mentioned a few of yeah, the Yeah, I mean it's really overwhelming. There. They do have a debuts, a list of debuts on yeah. uh the site that that came out and it's uh amazing. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to be be down there and um uh it just I love small press expo. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I'll I be down it. there you know, as of well. Of course, they, you know, public transport, <laughs> no thanks to you. They they uh the metro will not be running. I just which heard is just that. like, What's, you know, it's, and it's like of all the weeks and all the world. They're clearly teaming up with the MTA in an mm-hmm, evil right. cabal. I mean, it wasn't it that the, the MTA that did away with the 7 train during New York Comic Con? Yes, and when asked, they said, New York has a lot of large events and we just try, can't do it, you know? Well, so, why do you think this is? Yeah, how many of us have where 200,000 people are going to need to get there? Anyway, Yeah. what are you going to do, huh? Yeah. All right. Um, but there's anyway, also we'll be back. We'll be doing some interviews down there. So uh, yes, our next episode, hopefully, will be our small press expo yes. interview uh, episode. Um, so yeah, there's a great programming oh, as well. Yes, the programming, um, of we got Chris Ware and a voila and Eddie Campbell in conversation. Mm-hmm. That's obviously going to be a hot ticket. Yes. Uh, Jaime Hernandez in combination with Katie Skelly. Oh. Uh, that looks very great too. Uh, what do we got? Another panel called Racial Illiteracy. Uh, where Keith Knight, that's right. Keith Knight oh, is going to yes. be, he's, he's a special a, guest. Right. And Keith Knight, you know, we haven't even mentioned, but, yes. um, his TV show yes. has been greenlit by yes. Hulu. It's a, it's a TV show based on his life and his what comics. What is it called? Ah, <laughs> we should have it. I, you know, Kate always asks the tough I questions. Know, she does. She just zings us with a um, listener. You know what? I like I was reading it just, just the other day, here and I can't figure it out. But you know, that's what the Kate internet is for. Blasts us with one of her sharp questions. But we're we are going it to keeps find us. Uh, it's uh, well, it's well, let's see. It's on Is Hulu. it called Woke or is it a Woke comedy? It's Woke. It's called Woke. That's yes, it's, it's called Woke. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, let's see. And he's got a great guy that's going to be starring as him. Lamorne, yeah, Lamorne Morris. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, when I saw Keith at MoCA earlier in the year, he mm-hmm. told me a little bit about it. Yeah. And, um, you know, the was shooting the pilot and how excited he was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, he's got to be super duper uh, excited. And um, now, is he going to be one of the writers on it? Yeah, too? he's one of the writers yeah. on the yeah. show. Yeah, well, yeah, is, yeah. This is no, a no, sweet deal. Fantastic. It, it is. And you know what? Keith is so talented and has been it's so funny. And he's just been doing this for so long. And yeah. so, you know, it couldn't happen to a nicer or more deserving person. And he's going to debut a new slideshow. I mean, mo- if you're not familiar, he's got a classic uh, um, slideshow called They Shoot Black People, Don't They? Mm-hmm. That he has given all around the country. So he's got a new site called Racial Illiteracies that he's going to be showing. Going down it, yeah, at SBX. Yeah, you know, looking, I, I, I haven't, I, you know, I don't even need to know who's at Small Press Expo because I'm just going. Boy, <laughs> if you didn't know, Raina Telgemeier is going to be there. Emily Woo-hoo. Carroll is going to be there. Um, you know, like everyone is going to be there. They, <laughs> it's just a hot ticket. It is. It is. Lucy Nicely will be there. Uh, Marnie Gallery. Tom yes. Hart will be there. Very, everybody's going to yes. be there. Yes. There's yeah. a panel on queer science fiction and world. Yes, world there building. is. Uh, you know, just yes. It, That's going to be there. <laughs> the place to be. So yeah. So um, yeah. In fact, uh, I think Lucy Nicely is going to be part of a panel called Birthing Stories. Uh-huh. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's going to have. Uh, Carol Tyler, uh, the aforementioned Lucy Nisley, Marnie Galloway, Megan Turbot, Lauren Weinstein. It's cool. Yeah, this is, um, yes. Uh, Calvin, you're missing it. You know, Calvin only goes for one day. Yeah, unfortunately, go. I only go to, but well, you know, uh, for, for so many years, it was on the same weekend as the Brooklyn Book Festival, that's which is true. not the case anymore. Right, that's right. Uh, but I'm sort of been negatively trained, and yeah. so I get used to being one day and coming back. 
So right, right. Well, I'm, I'm going to try and get back, but um, yeah. Well, right I'm now. telling. I'm just telling you. You know, you're missing a big. I agree. You're missing. It's it's just very fun. I love hanging out. Uh, it's just really one of the best. Um, it is. I mean, back in the day, I actually used to go to both. Actually, actually, before they moved to Bethesda in the old space, I mm-hmm. used to come down for two days. Yeah, but uh, not now. <laughs> well, understood. understood. But it's an awesome show. Well, I you'll mean, be at really CXC is. too. So yes. So uh, so anyway, so even while we're uh, coming oh, the Impact Awards too. Now that yeah. that will be held down there. Oh yes, as always. Yeah. Yes, we've got a few of the nominees here. If you want me okay. to mention some? Uh, in mul- let's see, well, in multiple categories, we've got. Uh, I'm not going to go through because there's a lot of categories, yeah. but I am going to look on the outstanding graphic novel. Um, uh, the nominees are Laura Dean keeps breaking up me by the fabulous Mariko Tamaki, uh, and, uh, Rosemary Valero Cannell. You want, might want to check out Heidi's interview with Mariko Tamaki also about, uh, yes, she was uh, another just, book that she's just last on. week. Uh, great. Upgrade Soul by Ezra Clayton uh, Daniels, w- The Fabulous Woman World by Amanda Dollywall, Highwaymen by Karen Shadmian, Gender Queer by Mel Kobab. Uh, that's just for the outstanding graphic novel. Yeah. So anyway, it's great. Yeah, we're not going to go through all no. of them. But anyway, great I mean, books. If you are nearby, just go. Just go. Yeah. So um, you know, we uh, are, but when we're not planning for small press expo, of course, we're planning for New York Comic Con. We're saving our comments uh, yes. for that until we're going to do a special preview the next time. Kate, Calvin, and I are, are gathered. We will be doing our New York Comic Con preview. Um, however, one uh, news note. Uh, that came up this week, I thought was uh, worthy to be mentioned, uh, which is that the white paper is returning. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, Milton Greek, um, the ICVT2.com uh, CEO, he will be giving his hotly anticipated white paper that basically gives you all of the well, like the numbers on right. on the size and scope of the graphic novel market in North America. So uh, yeah, and also for the first time. Uh, they will have Comic Hub, which we yes. Calvin has written about, and I've talked about quite a yes. bit. They will be presenting some of their sell-through data. Not yes. quite sure exactly how, who, how, or what. And, but uh, why don't we explain what sell-through data is to our listeners? Yeah, that's a, probably not a bad idea. I know that's true. You well, know. I mean, that's what sells through. Yeah. <laughs> no, Heidi. <laughs> uh, yes. You know, in the comics industry, we have a lot of sales charts for, di- or diamond sales charts only represent sales to comic shops, but there is no sell-through data, which is what customers buy. For yes. instance, BookScan is sell-through data. Most sales yes. charts are based on sell-through data. In yeah. fact, it's, uh, I guess the reason why I was uh, joking about not explaining it is because almost all sales charts, except in the comic book industry, yes. are based on sell-through data, which is what uh, actual customers buy. Yeah. Uh, so, but we don't have that for comic shops. No. We have no inkling of what yeah, the sell through yeah. is. And until there's part of now. that is a reason that there's a lack of a point of sale, uh, well, there's, harvesting of that. There's some, and there's well, been more in the last few years. I mean, we could talk about Because Diamond has some, um. Do they? They have a system. Do they? Well, I'm told they do. It's somewhat limited. Um, people seem to can't really parse the do data as well. Do you think they well. give that information out? No, they do not. I've been told many things about this, but some uh, some people might even agree that this data has been suppressed over the years. <laughs> there are a lot Heidi's word, not mine. <laughs> there are some publishers who really don't, and I've been told that some giant publishers really don't care what their sell-through is because that doesn't matter to them. Yeah. All that matters is that they have comic shops buying their comics. And yeah. whether customers buy it, you know what? That's the store's business. Well, that's... That's what we're talking about. There's sell-in data, which is just selling to the stores, mm-hmm. and sell-through data is what you and I buy when we go to a store. So, so I have, you know, I mean, I've been saying this every time. I'm sure I said this on a previous a previous podcast whenever this came up, uh, but this will be, this could be the greatest. I mean, look, Comic Hub only has like about 80 stores right. signed up. We're right. not doing all 3,000 stores, right. but at least it's 80 stores. Yeah, and, absolutely. And nobody knows what sells in, in those 80 stores. So this this would be, this is revolutionary. This is going to change everything. This yeah. is really, if this information starts to become known, this could really be a game changer. Yes, what do you think it's going to change? Well, because everything right now is based on publishers playing their shell game with retailers. Yeah. Whereas retailers... It's I I use this example every time, but you know it's when record scan, sound scan started, which was the first POS mm-hmm. sales chart. 
which yes. is for uh, the music business. The music yeah. business, mm-hmm. which Billboard started, and the week before, was, you know, it was based on payola. It was based yeah. on what people thought should sell. And the the first week of the old, the last week of the old system, Def Leppard was the number one album, which had been number Pyromania, number one for like two years. Okay, and which then, is ridiculous. So next week, the number one album was Nirvana, and <laughs> and that and and which no one had heard of in the mainstream music world, mm-hmm. and that was it. That everything changed from there. Yep, yep, yep. Because it makes it more transparent, even to other publishers. Yes. And you know what? The, my, my, my example for this, I, you know, like again, I feel like we had this conversation before on the well, podcast, so we're repeating ourselves well, a little well, bit. Well, yeah, but, 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 but maybe this is not important. Of all, right. It is. But um, yeah. not all of our listeners have listened it's to episode worth re- it's that's worth 248, so, yes. you know? So it's worth repeating that book scan represents mm-hmm. sell through. And they do fine. Every other industry has sell through. Yeah. Yes. And that's one of the things we're talking about with Comic Hub. Because this data is now available, they are in talks with BookScan to provide it direct. Oh, they're not in talks. They're going to do it. They are going to do it. They're yeah. going to do it. Yeah. So, uh, um, uh, so this is a Which huge Diamond deal. Which Diamond wouldn't do, by the way. Yeah. The, this is a huge deal. Obviously, it'll, it'll drag the comics, the direct market into the real world of of making plans about what is selling and not just what you hope to sell. Uh, and the system also, the Comic Cup system, uh, it, it's more than simply just reporting data. It yes. is really a kind of uh, begin-to-end system that allows uh, not only for you to know what has sold, it allows publishers to see what has been sold. Mm-hmm. You literally, it allows fans to create shells and put up what they want um, to buy through it. I mean, it really will kind of revolutionize um, how comics uh, shop retailers plan and organize their business. And it also um, uh, allows a lot of marketing. Yes. To, and, you know, like there's two things that the comics industry does not have right now for periodicals. And one of them is like when you read the article uh, that about... Um, you know, some comic in the news, and then you go, huh, I want to buy that, like you do with everything else on Earth. Even if you go on Amazon, for instance, it's not that easy. I mean, you can go maybe on Comixology, buy it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, the other thing is, like, if you sign up for any retailer, which, you know, I love to shop, confession, and I signed <laughs> up for lots of retailers, and once you look at something on their website... They never stop telling you about it again, you yes. know. But it's also like if you buy Booms, one of Booms' books, Boom is team with Comic Up, uh, then the publisher can say, "Oh, they bought yes. this book by James Tynion. Maybe they're going to like the new one." And then they send you an email and say, "Hey, new book by James Tynion." I mean, this is like one oh one. This is like yeah. the most basic. This is built into the system yes, that you'd yes. be able to do. And that. there is no mechanism for doing these things at mm-hmm. this point. So yeah. all this data is real time. Publishers can see what's selling in real time. They can make adjustments. They can add print runs. I mean, it really gives a lot of flexibility to both sides of the equation. Yes, and um, you know we're at a very strange time. I mean, we talk about the, the pamphlet all the time, and but y- have you guys heard about this whole speculation thing going on now? Like I mean, speculation beyond the ordinary amount of speculation. No, comic <laughs> speculation is back. It's back. Oh back? yeah, it's back, and that's part. Uh. But that's part of what's behind all these sellouts. There's apparently this app that tells you what they're worth, and people are going on it, and then they're racing to the stores and they're buying these oh, books. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, this is like a oh, little end no. times apocalyptic a new, thing. A new for me. tulip bubble. <laughs> mm-hmm, a new tulip bubble. Driven by an app, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, actually, um, you know, I have one of my writers working on a story about it. And, oh, interesting. Um, yes. So uh, you know, this is about to bust wide open. Buy books to read, people, not to collect. Yeah. Listen, that- I mean, if you collect, collect for collection's sake. Like, have it because it makes you happy. If you are collecting things as an investment, <laughs> unless you have a source of of buying them much cheaper than anybody else, like don't do it. And you know, people, it might be that Hulk one eighty one and one eighty <laughs> with the first appearance of Wolverine are very valuable right now. Uh, and maybe the first issue of you know first appearance of X twenty three has some value now. But look, let's just look at the record. The garages. And attics and storage units of America are filled with these, quote, hot comics that people bought in the past that are worthless now. Yeah. Yeah. Worthless. Worthless. Or if not worthless, certainly not worth enough to make it worth storing them 
all those years. Yes, tell me about it. I've and, had the storage for 25 years. Yeah, and or alternately, like, listeners, telling yourself that buying these comics is an investment is like telling yourself that buying that designer purse is totally going to pay off when you sell it in 10 years when it's completely worth more, never mind that eventually you're going to spill your soda on it. Well, like, it's not, it do, that's not an investment. Well, I, I, I feel like designer purses are not the best example because actually if it's a Birkin, it is going to go up yeah. in value. Yeah, but, but like everything in the world, yeah. see, if you're trying but to if guess, if you're trying to guess what's the next Birkin, ha ha ha, you just bought yourself well, right. an expensive accessory. Yes. Don't lie to yourself. Yeah. It's not going to be that Michael Kors purse you bought at TJ Maxx. I guarantee right. that. Right. Like, collect what you want to collect for yourself, but do not fool yourself that it will put your children through college. Yeah. Because yeah. it probably won't. And we should also mention that David Saylor, the, um, the, uh, the director of, yeah. of graphics, graphics. Uh, Scholastic's graphics um, imprint, which... Uh, it's probably been a key publishing venture mm-hmm. in transforming the comics landscape 100%. as we know now with this incredible lineup of the authors headed by Raina Telgemeier. Uh, he'll be speaking at the yes. ICB2. And, two, and um, I believe there will be a special guest keynote speaker who has uh-huh. not been announced not yet. Been announced. Okay, not been announced. great. Yeah. Yes. All right. So, uh, Do you know who it is, Heidi? Well, I know who I said it should be. <laughs> who did you say it should I be? I can't say. I can't say, but we'll see if that person decides to do it. So. Well, I talked with Milton about some people too, but I yes. didn't. I don't. In, I don't think anybody I gave right. well, him will Calvin be the keynote speaker. Calvin and I will talk afterwards because I want okay. to compare notes to see if we have the same. We can't share it with you, folks. But yeah. Yeah. You, you <laughs> should, listeners. I know you can't see Calvin's face right but, now, yeah. but you should see just how smug I'm he just, looks. Yeah, I, know, I apologize, uh, even though you can't see me. It's the insider's <laughs> smug. Yeah. Well, they call it the insider edition, folks. That, that cackle was Heidi. <laughs> yes. Well, anyway, look, if you go to New York Comic Con and uh, go to the, uh, and you think that you might be awake on Monday morning and alert and able to listen to numbers, uh, you get yourself down to Pace University. Uh, you go to the ICV2 website. It explains how you can sign up to attend. All right. So, Band in Rio? Band in Rio. And then it wasn't. And then it was. And then it wasn't. <laughs> And then it was. <laughs> um, so let's back up here. So uh, the event, the volume of Young Avengers um, called Children's Crusade has just been translated into Portuguese and published for Brazil. Now, Young Avengers, for those of you who don't know, is a Marvel superhero comic about teenage superheroes. Two of whom are gay. That would and be a couple. Hulkling and... Wiccan. Wiccan, mm-hmm. right. I should know that. Hulkling and Wiccan. Yeah. And, and in a, a joke that... An inside joke that uh, most readers didn't get for a few years until they went, Oh, they go by Billy and Teddy, and yes, one yes. is blonde and one is brunette. Right. Ah-ha, ah-ha, ah-ha. <laughs> anyway, so this is the most... G-rated gay content you can possibly imagine. <laughs> Two long-term boyfriends hmm. kissing in like the most G-rated Disney movie manner. Yes, but but the the mayor of Rio de Janeiro oh, freaked oh, out. <laughs> yes, it takes a lot to get banned in Rio, or or maybe not if you're this <laughs> Apparently, guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you'd think it would be a lot spicier than that G-rated comic, um, but no. The, the, there's a major book festival in Rio called the Biennial do Livro. And when the mayor of Rio, uh, Marvello Crivella, <laughs> found out that this book was going to be there, he freaked out. He decided that this book should be banned. And he said in a video statement on Twitter, which means that he, he really invested a lot of time in this. He said, books like this need to be wrapped in black sealed plastic with a content warning displayed on the outside. And his decision is based on protecting the miners of our city. So. Sigh. Uh, yeah. Good God. So Jim Chwing, uh, <laughs> the artist of the volume, took to Instagram, um, you know, basically posted a very heartfelt essay about how um, he hopes that the beautiful people of Brazil, a wonderful, diverse, and proud nation, will see through this political noise and place their focus on the light and on ways to unite rather than help sow the seeds of conflict and division. Um, basically, the artist had a sad. And despite orders 
to the Rio police to confiscate all copies from the festival. <laughs> <laughs> the officials of the festival yes. just said, uh, no. Cooler heads prevailed. <laughs> and then a judge blocked the ban, only to be overturned by another judge who ruled in favor of removing the books. But then... Uh, Brazilian YouTube celebrity. Yes, that's right. Now we're bringing in Brazilian YouTube. You never <laughs> thought it would be such a deep cut. Uh, Felipe Nito purchased 14,000 copies of, yes. of the book, ra- handed them out for free, wrapped in black plastic with the warning, books inappropriate for backward and prejudiced people. Mm-hmm. Take that, Your Honor. <laughs> yeah. So then, in, then it ended up the, the, image in question of the two of them kissing was then put on the front page of the Saturday edition of the Sao Paulo Daily Folho de Sao Paulo, the largest newspaper in Brazil. Sorry if I can't pronounce it. I don't speak Portuguese. Um, and so it wasn't just that they had a story about the censorship, although they did. They had an enormous picture on the front cover of the newspaper uh, of the image, you know, take yeah. that, mare. <laughs> <laughs> so fun times, and then it was once the Brazilian Supreme Court, acting surprisingly fast for a Supreme Court, overturned the ban yet again. Wow! I think the size of the idiocy was so mammoth. <laughs> they they figured they had to swing into action immediately. I, I guess they <clears> thought <throat> like this is open and shut case, and also very embarrassing for Brazil. <laughs> yes, you know, Can yes. we just make Let's this just stop? Get this out of the way. So, um, interestingly enough, just last June, the Brazilian Supreme Court voted to criminalize acts of homophobia. I wonder if this counts. There you go. So, um, there may well be more to come on this, but it's certainly an interesting little saga for a book that most of the comics industry forgot about 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, yes, I mean, that's the, the, the other thing, side of it is, is that 10 this, years old. This came out so long ago, and also... <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, it is kind of a funny story because, you know, justice prevailed at the end. But, I mean, it is a sad it's, comment well, yeah, on, yeah. on the but political the moment that Brazil is undergoing right now with, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's the, you know, warring factions. I mean, Rio no, de Janeiro sure. is known as an anything goes city, yeah. one of the places, you know, Carnival. And, you yeah. know, so there's a pretty, you know, brutal irony here in this. Well, I mean, on the other hand, New York City... New York City had uh, Fiorello LaGuardia, much beloved and uh, immortalized in airport horribleness, yeah. um, uh, was really an anti-vice crusader. And his idea of vice was uh-huh. half-dressed dancing girls. Oh, no, <laughs> there might be strippers in New York. Whatever will we do? So it can happen to a city near you, people. Any city even Rio. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, when you're old like me, you realize that, uh, you know, you never really win the battle. It's well, an ongoing battle. You, you win yes. the battle. It's just the war the goes battle, on. But the but war it'll be back. will yeah. never the battle will return. <clears throat> I mean, that doesn't make the battle not worthwhile. You know, but the, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. Is, it, is eternal yeah. embarrassment over the stupidity of some of this, like, the, the funny bigoted, thing, uh, you know, actions. But, the, yeah. The funny thing is, I think, if anything... This may be the biggest boon to the sales of this book. I know. Ever. It's invariably what happens. I don't think this guy has heard of the Streisand effect. Yeah. It just... Uh, Listeners, Streisand effect is when the the larger a stink you make about trying to uh, suppress something, the more people want to see it. Yeah, exactly. That's Uh, right. Exactly. So, um, yeah, so... There you go, Young Avengers. Uh, one Back in every, the news. In every, one in every pot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, Linda Berry returns. Uh, a new um, uh, publishes weekly author's profile um, done by Heidi. Oh yeah, I had the privilege of uh, profiling Linda Berry for PW, and it's where I ran in this week's uh, issue. Um, so, which follows up, I got to profile Jaime Hernandez and previously Alan Moore. So, I think I'm kind of done. I mean, those are the three greatest writers, <laughs> comics writers of all times, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I'm dead serious about that. I don't think anyone's better 
than those three. So, um, uh, but you know, uh, Linda Barry, oh my God. Yeah. And this so, is tied into her new book. Yes, her new book is called Making Comics mm-hmm. and it's, it's really like a, a workbook for her class that she teaches and it has all these exercises in there. Um, that, uh, you know, to unleash your creativity and kind of unlock your subconscious. And, um, it's, it's, but of course it's by Linda. So it's like the writing is superb. And, um, she, she actually uses a lot of her students' drawings. Like she yeah. goes and fishes them out of the garbage and then redraws them in her style. And, interesting uh, technique. But she, yeah, I had to cut this part out, but she was saying about how, um, you know, people, oh, I wish I could say it like she did, you know, people throw them out as if it was a, it was an illness or something, you know, like people discard their art. And then I actually, when I was doing my research, I read another uh, interview with her where she mentioned that she had none of her art from her childhood. So maybe that's why she's so... Uh, she, she make, won't let anyone yes, throw theirs away. Yes, she won't let anyone throw theirs out. But yeah, you know, what an amazing mind. I mean, there is mm-hmm. just no one like her. There really is, is, she's just one of a kind, extraordinary person. And, uh, you know, it was really great to talk to her and get some of her theories about the conscious and unconscious and making art. Yeah, because it really is all about the act of making art and how comics figure into that and drawing. Right. Yeah. 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 But it's also, like I said to her, I said... I want to read that book. It, yeah. it is good. Well, you know, but it is... It, like her other books kind of have yeah. it too. Like, what is our... What is what is the... Uh, what it is and the nearsighted monkey and then there was the other one that was like syllabus. Okay. So well, she, right. Syllabus. So, yes, yes. so her last few books have really been focused on this kind of, but, but making comics is like a program mm-hmm. where she, where she really lays it out. And it's funny because she does reference, uh, Ivan Brunetti quite a bit yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, he has a book. Is educated. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. But he has a book about making comics that's a lot more, I would say, rigorous. And yeah. so I questioned her on that too. I said, "Oh, you know, you use Ivan Brunetti." I said, "He's very different from you." And she says, "Right. Well, isn't that the best way to do it?" I was like, "Oh, okay. It's yeah. Like, when you, when you, it's just so simple. More than one way to skin a drawing." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, that was a, a privilege, and uh, us up on PW's website. Now. Yes. Yeah. Um. Great. And uh, from there, we're going to segue to a story I wrote uh, about uh, the launched in Korea. Uh, Web comics platform Webtoon. Uh, I had I had a chance to talk with uh, Taylor Grant, um, who is the uh, senior VP of IP development of Webtoon, as well as the head of content David Lee, just about the business model, what they've done, how they how they've grown. So Webcom Webtoon is a very interesting platform. I, I actually I also talked with Dean Haspill, who has been um, serializing Red Hook. His like eccentric superhero com- uh, um, comic on there. Everybody on there. This is essentially a self-publishing as well as a publishing platform. Uh, artists, you uh, retain all of their rights. <clears throat> Anyone can launch and upload content there. They scan them, you know, obviously for decency and the like. Um, but otherwise, you're free to put it on there. Now it's a vertical scroll. It's very different from you know most Western uh, web comics. Um, but really, I mean, there are approximately four to five hundred thousand um, so-called amateurs up there. There's a smaller group that they call uh, professionals that are either um, uh, emerging artists have really created a big following, or, or in fact, actual comics industry professionals who have started and built a following or been invited by webtoons to be a part. One of the things my stop, my story uh, is about is how they have they they're launching a line of adaptations of YA prose novels from a whole variety of big New York trade houses. So they they're really wow. launching themselves into the mainstream. These are going to start in October. October is about nine books. Um, so this is a very interesting expansion of what they do. And one of the other things they do is both using advertising, uh, ad sharing, and other things. That people are getting paid. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's paid on the, on the size of the audience that you're able to attract. Right. Uh, but if you show that you can build an audience, they actually jump in and help you and support it and give you more marketing. And of course, in Korea, where the parent company is located, um, you know, they also have a lot of these phone comics and yes. they're more, uh, monetized there, I, I believe. Um, but you know, this is, we've been talking about Reptune on here for years yeah. and a lot of, you know, when will people, you could read it on the web, mm-hmm. uh, or read it on your yeah, phone. On your phone. There's and an app as yeah. well as a website. Yeah. Well, yeah. And also, what you have to understand is where this fits into indie publishing in the Asian world as a whole. Because typically, like, 
in the United States, we kind of have, whether it's professionally published or self-published, a model of one and done. Mm -hmm. Like, there are a few serials, but that's not very popular. What usually happens is you want a full book. Yeah. Um, In China and in Korea, don't know if in Japan, um, serialized stories with no end in sight, where you pay for each individual installment, or you pay you you set up an auto pay subscription where every time they publish a chapter you pay another dollar. Right, micro payments is well they're not as micro as you'd think. Right, mm. um, <laughs> is is a very very popular publishing model. Right. So and these webtoons are frequently monetized in a very similar way. Yeah, and in fact, um, uh, they are essentially free to read on webtoon. But here's what the model is, uh, particularly for basically for long term comics. Uh, if you read them in the weekly updates, they're free. However, if you get hooked on one and you want to jump ahead, you have to buy access to read ahead. And, and you, you have buy. to write, buy access to read the older issues? I feel like you may have to. I don't know if you have to buy. I don't think you have to buy to read older issues. You only have to read to go ahead. Got it. Yeah, because so, you can actually go back and read and start any of these things. Mm-hmm. But if once you hit the point where they are, then you have to pay extra if you want to jump ahead. Um, and read yeah. the rest. Yeah. And, um, you know, and now, for the most part, they are not interested in print, uh, releases and they, they give the print, re- uh, artists retain their, their rights to print, which is what Dean has been doing. Uh, Dean actually has a separate deal with Image Comics to publish Red Hook as a print trade paperback. Right. So, yeah. I, you know, listen, we do talk about the evils of social media, but, you know, one of the good things is that this enables someone to put their comic out there and get a huge audience just yeah. without, and, you know, just that's a very no organic, that's no small thing, a very I organic mean, and genuine and authentic way. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think it has a lot to do with where the comic industry has gone now. Absolutely. I mean, even if most of these comics we talk about that are from the new comics ecosystem, are, you know, published by a publisher or self-published in print, frequently the way they build their readership, the way anybody's ever heard of any of these people is social media. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And just as just a shout out uh, to Dean, um, Red Hook War Cry, uh, the latest uh, trade paperback of his Red Hook webtoon, will will be published in October. So it's coming down the line, folks. But you know what? I've gone online to read a lot of these webtoons, and there's some good comics there are up some there. Very good comics. Well, up yeah. There. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's some real talented people. Check it out. Stuff, all kinds, everything. You could find everything up there. So, um, yeah. But you know, hey, listen, it survived. I uh, remember Stila. Yes, I do remember. Mm-hmm. Steel. it didn't seem to last very long. Yeah. Um, you know, Thomas Media is still mm-hmm. out there. Yes, um, that's another sort of web app uh, scrolling. And they've been around comics. in so many mm-hmm. different ways yeah. for a long time. But you know, I tell you, one of the reasons I'm always slow to upgrade the iOS on my phone is because I have a little museum of all these apps on <laughs> my phone. Because uh, I'm of... like, never forget, <laughs> never forget. The museum of forgotten apps. I do. Yes. I have quite <laughs> a little museum on there. Yes, yes. So yeah. There you go. All right. Um, and now. The briefs. So, um, speaking of comics from places that are not the United States, we have some, we have a manga brief for you. So, if you are a fan of One Piece, the way Heidi is, <laughs> uh, creator Aichiro Oda has some news for you. Uh, in an interview, <laughs> while talking about other such things as, uh, you know, taking up sports again in his middle age, et cetera, et cetera, um, he said that um, it was his hope and his plan that One Piece should come to an end in five years. Oh, <laughs> that's a long time. I well, know. It didn't but, seem like that short no time. Yeah. No, yeah. but on the other hand, I mean, it's a plan. Yeah. Like, yeah. Up until yeah. this point, it's been kind of up in the air. Yeah. He's been doing it for 20 years already. Yeah. Um, and the uh, person at Japan Today who wrote the article from which I am drawing uh, did the calculations and said, well, if it is in fact five years, at his current rate, that would be, it would, the series would end at 115 volumes. Wow. Which is quite the long run. Yes. It's not the longest, but it's substantial. It would be the ninth longest really? manga. Nine? What's the longest one, Kate? Do you have the list? I don't. Oh, sorry. Next time. Sorry, guys. But what's amazing is that they can run these things 
for years at enormous levels of popularity. I mean, well, they, it's very good. Yes, I mean that's what I'm giving him credit for to be able to be that good for, for that, that long. Well, you know, I mean, for everyone that uh, goes that long and is that good, there is another like fifty that that die halfway through their first and, year. And you know, listen, this is the existential question at the very heart of this podcast because we talk so much about. Um, you know, the graphic novel format, and then, you know, we talk about the pamphlet. You know, listen, comics have lots of, a history of lots of serialized forms. The daily comic strip sure. is a serialized mm-hmm. form. And, you mm-hmm. know, how long did Crazy Cat run? Like 30 years? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, was every episode, I mean, some of it was a, like Rice Krispies, you know? It was like yeah. the same thing. But guess what? You like Rice Krispies. So you want more <laughs> Rice Krispies, you get more Crazy Cat. So, yeah, or or frankly, running far longer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have <laughs> you had Family Circus, you have Garfield, well, or Peanuts, you have Blondie, or you yeah. have Blondie. You I mean, have the American comic strip has kind of fallen a little bit on a hard time. Right, they have, but they have, but these strips. Yeah, in the even past, so, absolutely. have even to today. Even yeah, if they're oh, yeah. coming to the end yeah, of their run. Yeah. Have yeah. lasted a very, very yeah, long they, time. They're still the here for and, sure. And you know, it was a very popular format for oh, a long time. It's extremely time. popular, and, um, you and know, it's still and popular just on the web. Yeah, yeah you know, yes, the, exactly. but the Tankuban, I mean, the serialized, mm-hmm. the manga format is. Uh, d- d- you know, we were just talking about webtoons with how they serialize mm-hmm. their comics. And, you know, the manga format by a creator, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Ida is one of the all-time greats. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he just, you know, to have that much popularity, it's the best-selling comic book uh, of all times. Uh, I mean, the highest sales of the individual volumes. Mm-hmm. I think it's the second would be uh, Asterix and Obelix, yeah, which is still uh-huh. coming out, yeah. but I believe One Piece has surpassed yeah. it. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's insanely, insanely popular and still readable, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, go five years. You know, it's a nice plan. You have something left to do with your life and not be a burnt out husk. And I think the article mentioned that, you know, that is unless he changes his mind. Well, I mean, yeah, (laughs) it's not set in stone. He he could change his mind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although occasionally you do hear a kerfuffle in manga world where a creator is like, wait, no. I don't want to go. I changed my mind. The publisher's like, we sold your space to somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, on make with it a brief. sequel. On with the briefs. On we, with the briefs. We horned in on, yes. on Kate's briefs. No, so. that's, that's quite fine. Okay, so we've got another manga and app story. Um, manga rock. rock the oh, yeah. infamous uh, manga scans aggregator has promised they are going totally legit, wow. you guys. We swear. The Manga Rock app, the the height of their audacity, is no longer available to the App Store or Google Play. Um, so apparently the systems will remain up for a while so users can back up their data, but they will come down. And it is now so they being... they can back up their, like, pirated comics yeah, back data? Up, back it up, back it up. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, sorry. But, um, or maybe at least they can write down which comics they like. I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> So Manga Rock is rebranding as MR Comics Platform. <laughs> okay, guys. And um, the developer plans to make it, quote-unquote, 100% official. Um, okay. All right. And um, the claim is that they're going to remove everything that is uh, illegal and... Um, monetize their content. Well, I mean, if it's legitimate, they'll have to. Yeah. So we'll see how it's going to go. And they, uh, their studio's official um, press release says, among other things, at that time, we did not understand the manga industry, and we didn't know <laughs> the origin of the scanlation. I find this a little oh, bit dubious. Yeah, this yeah. notion that we didn't had no idea gambling. There's gambling here. At the t- as time <laughs> has passed, we have come to understand the damage being incurred by manga creators and publishers. No, no, incurred too. It's being incurred by you. You by you. Yes. Um, For ten years. Yeah. <laughs> And they, but we, they just occurred to them that they were like ripping off publishers, artists. Yeah. Live yeah. and learn. Yeah. But, uh, moreover, as Manga Rock's pub- 
popularity increased more and more, the damage also increased. Therefore, we are deeply reflecting on our role in accelerating the popularity of scanslations, and we give our heartfelt apologies to the victims, manga creators, and publishers. As a result, we plan to shut down our scanlation website and app. We also recommend that similar scanlation sites shut down as well. We are truly sorry for causing problems for the manga industry. Now, if this were some fans in a basement, incidentally, they're known as not a basement studio. Yes, I, yes, yeah. I noticed the name yeah. of the studio. Yeah. yeah. If, if they were in a basement instead of being not a basement, um, I don't think they would have been monetizing it quite that well or quite that obnoxiously. You know, like, I, I have a lot of sympathy for fans who genuinely scanslate something that genuinely is not coming out in their language. I get it. Yeah. But these guys are not those guys. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, kudos to them for stopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can be skeptical of their motives, but but it's a good thing that they're doing and, and yeah. shutting it down. Yeah. So, yeah. And speaking of apps that got shut down, we have one more truly ridiculous oh, yes. <laughs> news brief for you. When an app goes wrong, don't do this, people. Jeremy Renner's app, also yeah. named <laughs> Jeremy Renner, hmm. has been shut down. <laughs> yes, yeah. oh, Heidi look, is, get, is showing me it. the hilarious Heidi's pictures from That's the That's what app. I call journalism. Yes. Oh, yes. So we can is, laugh at it as that we... That is true commitment to your craft. It is. Now, I say this as someone who actually does not dislike him as an actor. No, me neither. But, I like Jeremy Renner. But it is a truly ridiculous app. The only problem is that notifications from the app <laughs> came up as, as if they were a chat box from Jeremy Renner. And... Because he thought maybe my fans want to talk to each other about how wonderful I am. <laughs> it includes a chat feature. Which, if I were making an app for an actor where every notification says it's from the actor's name, I would not do that. So anyway, some comedians figured that out and decided to send, you know, increasingly scurrilous messages. <laughs> yes. Supposedly from Jeremy yes. Renner. Not disambiguating between Jeremy Renner the app or Jeremy Renner the person. And it all became very embarrassing very quickly. And from, all of a sudden, he became his own troll. Yeah, I know. But I, well, you know, just a little, I mean, the, the app actually launched, launched two years ago. And this right, had just but, gone on and on. And then this week, like, it kind of caught fire on social media. Uh, and uh, he was forced to, forced to shut well, the I whole think thing it was, down. It, I think it was just obscure enough that, right. like... Who would go looking for Jeremy Renner or the app, let alone know that it could be used for scurrilous purposes? It's one of those things where when someone found it, much like discovering fire, then <laughs> it spreads rapidly. <laughs> yeah. Well, as we called it on my site, Renner Apocalypse. There you go. There you go. Well, lessons learned. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, listen, I got to go. I got to go finish packing up for a small present. Yes, I got to go get on a train early Saturday morning. Yeah, so. yeah. And I need to get up at 530 in the morning to edit this wonderful podcast. Yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Well, despite all that, there will be more to come. Thank you.